Hi, I'm Paul Grenier. This is Whiskey and Wood. Bring in the people, the stories, and the success to you. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, and these guys and gals are out to get a piece of it. Why Whiskey and Wood? Why not? Super excited to be sitting down with Jamie Hugerworth. Is that how you say your last name? Yes. All yeah. right. Good. Hugerworth. Good. I mean, if you're Dutch, you would say Hogeverf, but otherwise, um, you say it however you want. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to so. stick with uh, Hugerworth. Yeah. Out of Port Ritchie, Florida, um, who actually is a family, it's a family operated business. Uh, his wife, Emily, who is actually taking care of their six kids right now. Um, you guys started kind of right in the pandemic, right? Like 2020 and- Mac dab in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess talk about that a little bit. What what led you down the path of starting this business during this like really crazy time in every person's life? Um, we had been, so I had had a custom furniture shop and I mean, this is back um, 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. My wife and I came up with the idea of moving out of Florida. We were both raised here. I was born here. Um, and and we had looked at North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, basically the Appalachian Mountains. We we're circling the Appalachian Mountains right in that, that range. And we wound up finding a place in Tennessee. We uh, bought the place. And I was planning on sort of opening a furniture factory up there. Um, and when we got there, there was just barns everywhere that were dilapidated and oftentimes just being bulldozed and burned. And if you know anything about Florida lumber and having had a furniture shop here, we can't get lumber. Like lumber is extremely difficult to get. It's just, if you picture Florida, like a one-way street, you don't have people passing through with lumber. So if they're coming <laughs> here, they're intentionally coming to us. And then yeah. from a shipping perspective, they're charging us to come down our road and to, to leave, basically, because there's not a lot of industry in Florida to be able to have a return trip for that. So lumber prices are elevated. Um, the supply is down, one of those things. So I saw all this wood being burned in barns, and I thought, man, like if I just took that wood and I brought it down to Florida, like I'm sure it would sell and be a great resource for that area. And this is really before the barnwood trend had started. Um, and so I started tearing down these barns and bringing the wood down. And at some point we were sending semi truck loads down. Um, and so it kind of became the new business instead of, uh, instead of furniture, we were basically just wholesale and barn wood. Um, and in the process of all that, I wound up buying a sawmill and thinking that if the barn wood thing trends out, at least there's a, a lumber buying budget for a lot of the customers that we had. I wanted to be able to fill that need. So we bought the sawmill, started sawing, and that the sawmill lumber, specifically wide slabs, doesn't translate the same as barnwood. In terms of barnwood, I could sell a thousand board foot stack and nobody needed to see it ahead of time. They just yeah. see, you know, gray wood. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> and I separated the barnwood out by species and by gray board or brown board. So it was real specific. Like this is gray board oak, this is gray board poplar, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so when we got to these large slabs, nobody was 
fighting. They all wanted to see the actual slab. And so we couldn't just send a yeah. stack down. And so we eventually decided to come back. We still had our house down here. So we were up in Tennessee for four, four or five years, somewhere around there. Well, in the process of coming back, I had, I had probably about 30,000 board foot of barn wood stacked up at the property up there. I had, I don't even know, 10,000, 20,000 board foot of live edge slabs stacked at the property up there. And I had uh, bought a tent basically and sent all of my lumber that I had sawn up to Ohio to a vacuum kiln um, to have them vacuum kiln dry it. And uh, then shipped it all back to me. And so I had it all kiln dried and ready to go, but it just, it was a struggle. So I basically was back down here, got back into custom furniture and cabinetry and stuff like that, and was trying to figure out how to utilize the resource that I still had up there and felt like it was just going to be getting in worse condition the longer it sat up there. So I, my wife and I had been talking about it. Um, and it's sort of the idea was, if I could just get a warehouse down here, it could be a workshop for me again. In addition, it could be a retail store. Like we were sort of, you know, sort of uh, talking about it, but either way that wood would be able to come down and potentially give us uh, the opportunity to be able to have a retail setup for it. Um, so we had been working on that for a couple of years and really what the pandemic did is it allowed us uh, a building uh, available. We couldn't find any buildings available yeah. to be able to have the store. So it seems like really bad timing. And uh, it, it fortunately wasn't, but um, at the time we were really just trying to pull from like, we need a spot so bad that even yeah. if it's in the middle of a pandemic, we got to jump yeah. on it right now. Um, yeah. And so that's why we went, went ahead and started then. Um, ironically, Everybody else that didn't really have uh, showing up at work kind of jobs, they were at home on, you know, uh, on their computers and wound up having their garages open. And so, so many guys wound up diving in um, and starting little uh, wood entrepreneur things while they were still doing their insurance jobs or their, you know, medical sales jobs yeah. on the computer. And so it wound up actually being a perfect time to start because there's so many hobbyists uh, that came out of that, that exact time, which was mind-blowing because I really just thought like I am an idiot and I am just <laughs> jumping in and worst case scenario I have a shop that I'm paying for like and then I have all the wood out of the out of the you know tent uh, and and down here where I can do something with it um, but it actually turned into a, a, a pretty good little business um, so yeah and it's uh it's grown quite a bit and you're right it's kind of like a silver lining so that the pandemic created a lot of issues but it also with any issues or challenges is also great opportunity it created a space for you yeah. and then you're right so many guys were like i'm going crazy inside of my house like yeah. i've got to do something with my hands and it, it, so many people started playing instruments working with furniture working with wood doing small little projects and it was um yeah it was really cool to see our our business flourish a lot of our customers business flourish during that time and it really you know helped kickstart everybody and, and to keep yeah. moving forward so and yeah. one thing i really like about your store is going on your website um which is oddwoodlumber.com everybody go check it out um is the wood you have you have really cool 
local species, but it's also from beyond. Like you guys are pulling stuff from, you know, the tennis, greater Tennessee area yeah. and, and bringing it down to, to central Florida, which is really awesome and, and creates, everybody always wants what they can't always get. And, and right. Auburn Lumber is a place where you can definitely do that. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I, I have, um, I've had a, a desire to like explore different kinds of any woodworker I think has, you know, different species that you've never put your hands on. You just kind of, you know, you want to like grab it and smell <laughs> it and kind of cut it yeah, a little yeah. bit of sand on, just see what it's like. Um, and the local lumber uh, resources that are here are really pretty untapped and undiscovered because every lumber company that's around here is just importing lumber even if they're importing some of the exact same species that we have grown in front yards and backyards here, they're still importing it from some rainforest somewhere or from, you know, some exotic yeah. locale, um, or they're importing it from, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, those, those kind of lumber areas. But like we have an opportunity where we have tree guys dropping off trees that we don't know anything about what the lumber is going to be like or how it's going to respond to kiln drying or what the lumber making process is. So we get to experiment a lot. Um, yeah. Lately, we had um, six loads of melaleuca dropped off. Melaleuca is an essential oil that a lot of people um, have in their houses right now, but it's also an extremely invasive species down here in Florida. But I, I put up a lumber person who has pursued basically sawing it and drying it, and it's beautiful lumber. It really is yeah. dense. It does dry. It tries to twist while it's drying. But what we've discovered is when you get it down to 7%, wherever it's twisted to is where it stays. stays. So if we yeah. then can process past that, then we can wind up with a stable board that has incredible grain and is really, I don't know what to call it because it's an exotic for the most part, but it's a domestic exotic. So it's like one <laughs> of those that I don't, yeah. you know, um, but we wind up with like camphor, like this right here behind me is camphor. Um, this is Perota or Guanacosta. This one is monkey pod. Uh, this one is is Cuban mahogany right here, which is uh, Sweetenia mahogany, the original one. Uh, the for anybody who's a purist for mahogany, that's the one you want. They ran out of it 120 years ago, 130 years ago, and switched over to Sweetenia macrophylla, but that's the one. And we have that. It's native to Florida, like South Florida. It's native to Cuba and and all those kind of places. Yeah, I was looking the the camphor. And it's so awesome that we could take these species that were just invasive. Nobody's doing anything with it. Everybody's yeah. chipping it up, getting rid of it. And look at how cool that wood is. Like it's yeah. Between yeah. epoxy, kiln drying, epoxy, and a song, we can make beautiful furniture out of pretty much anything these days. Right. And uh right. We've just started to dig in and, and through my journey here at, at eye dry and, and with whiskey and wood is this market for this type of species of, of wood and urban lumber is i'm just it, astonishingly large like it's i just spoke with a guy from the city of baltimore who was responsible for taking the city's salvaged wood from urban areas just throughout yeah. expansion and turning it into something because they're like we're just chipping tons and tons and tons and yeah. tons of wood every year we've got to be better and do something with it and they're building play structures and stuff for zoos and lumber and yeah. furniture and park benches and and they said i forget the amount of tons that they 
use. They said they only estimate they use 15% of the city of Baltimore's urban lumber. And it's wow. an astonishing number. And that's one city. Yeah. So guys who are doing what you're doing is amazing for this industry. It's amazing for the earth, really. Keeping, yeah, yeah. It's amazing for furniture. It's amazing for interior designers. It's, it's, right. uh, it's right. awesome. It's, uh, and I can tell you're a wood guy because you're talking about species that I really don't know much about. Of course, right, right. here in Vermont. Uh, right. But yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that urban, uh, urban lumber kind of idea was a, I would say a brand new one to me. Um, and just, I, I feel like the more time you spend thinking about it, the more you realize what an incredible resource it is and simultaneously what an incredible waste it has been. Because yep. if you, I mean, we have gone to some landfills, the trees are stacked up 40 foot high and they're just waiting. It's a $500,000 mulcher that they have that they take their tractor and just, just load it right <laughs> into it and blow it out. And I mean, we have, like we have in our area, Dalbergia Sisu, which is like North Indian rosewood. There's mulch in Florida all over the place that is <laughs> right now. And, you know, the Dalbergia from a site, from an international perspective, all Dalbergia are, are protected right now um, from import export where you have to have all this different stuff. I talked to uh, FWC, the Florida Wildlife Commission, to try to find out if I would get in trouble for just possessing it because <laughs> it's a Dalbergia and I don't have a CITES permit attached to it. They said, well, you know, when you imported it, I said, no, no, this is in like everybody's front yards, backyards here. And they said, well, what do you mean front yards back? And I'm like, it's, it's growing. Like the birds yeah. eat the little seeds. They, you know, <laughs> do their business and we have trees in our yards now. And um, they patched me through to ATF actually to have the same conversation with them to find out what my responsibility is in terms of owning the lumber. But we have that here and it is being just mulched. Turn um, into mulch, right? Yeah, like, because it's non-native. <laughs> and so it's actually, if you wanted to get a permit, you would have to cut it down to, to build an addition or something. You'd have to cut it down because it's non-native. Um, and it's it's rosewood. Like it's yeah. it's actual real rosewood. So, yeah, uh, But it, that's what I mean. It's a resource that is just being incredibly wasted. Part of that is, I think, there isn't the realization. I mean, from a governmental level, they had no clue that we have that kind of a resource in front yards and backyards. And I think even past that, consumers don't realize sort of the level of, of uh, resource that exists in it. And that there's a difference, that you have an option, that you could buy this one that's just come from, you know, forest grown, which is great. And they're straight trees. And it's a much easier lumber to work with, or you could buy something that has been in a front yard and definitely has more of a story, but also has prettier grain because the grain is more wandering and yeah. wild and all that. But you have, but, you have choices at least in it, you know? <laughs> and there's, the, the grain is wild and it's challenging to process on large scale, right? So that's yeah. why all this urban lumber and all those species, conventional operations of, of sawmills are like we don't want anything to do with yeah, it. yeah, yeah. such an opportunity we have this really valuable product that basically you can get for free and if guys are willing to like you yeah uh, go get it harvest it stall it dry it turn it into either sell the wood or turn it into you know beautiful beautiful pieces of furniture that are going to be passed down from generations to generations yeah. and i really feel like this mindset 
has just started in the last few years. When you go back and look at urban lumber, you start Googling urban lumber, like all, all the articles about it are like three to four years old. Oh, yeah. There's nothing from yeah. 10 years ago. There's nothing from yeah. 10 years ago. So it's a huge, and if we do this right, companies like you, we can, I would love to have people, instead of thinking, I want to make a piece of furniture, instead of going to a, a big box store, to be able to like, there's this whole research source of smaller companies with really, really cool wood. And I want it to be instinctive to go to that company instead right. of the giant box store and right. have it be that popular where it's just second nature. We're going to go. Yeah. And that's really the goal that, that we're trying to do yeah. here is to build well, this. And it has a story, you know? Yeah. Um, it yeah. has a story. And I, I mean, there's, there's people maybe not um, as long in their overall journey with woodworking. Um, I started in 99 and from 99 till I would say about 2006, my goal was to be perfect. Like I wanted everything I made to be perfect. And as I got closer to it, I found that I liked it less. Like I liked the piece of furniture I'd produce less and less and less. And so then customers really responded well to that. They want a, a well-made thing. But I would be making it for them. And then in my own office, I decided, you know what, I'm going to just take some kind of bad wood, crap wood, and I'm going to just use it because I like it. I don't want to feel like I have to be really careful around this thing. And, and so I kind of took some beat up stuff, made my own desk out of it. And when customers, the same customers that were pursuing this, like, want a perfect job and very clean and all that stuff, they come in and they see my desk, they would say, well, how much for something like this? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, really? Because I find that not that perfect isn't the goal. I still want it to be well-made and and strong and structurally sound and everything. But I find that the splits and holes and not holes in grain, it sort of reminds us, I feel like a little bit of our own flaws and that like we still have purpose. We still have function past that. Like yeah. it can become something beautiful if you just utilize it. So um, I feel like that's what Urban Lumber also sort of offers. It's not very clean and plain, but man, it shows a life that was lived and it shows the value of that life. You know, it just, the, the way the grain will turn now and and everything is is perfect. Like this giant hole um, is typically not really something that's very usable. I love this, this slab that came <laughs> out um, because I think I like um, the sort of imperfection in it, that it's not a solid plain thing. I like that yep. it's going to take some skill to be able to work with it. And then you can appreciate basically the skill that went into it and you can appreciate the defect in the wood um, afterwards. Um, yeah, I agree. Beauty is in the imperfection of the wood and letting the wood be the focal point and tell the story and uh, seeing the beautiful color and the different figure, especially that grows in the urban lumber. Um, we have so many people now looking for uh, North American walnut that has really cool figure and, and color and contrast in it. And the conventional steam kilns, their goal is to wash the color out, yeah. push it into the sapwood. And everybody's like, no, I, I want that stuff with a vibrant color. And, right. And so it's, I love all the, all the beauty of the wood. And I see how guys get excited about cutting wood and the, the process of that because you get to see it's unknown right till you start right. peeling into it and get to see it layer by layer um it's fun but 
crazy enough, you know, drying the wood and having a stable piece of wood that doesn't move anymore is just an important part of this process. And uh, I, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, from a furniture making perspective, I think it's almost understated the importance of, of that. And even to the degree that I think it is wildly reckless for woodworkers to be making pieces of furniture that they have no knowledge of how it was kiln dried or whether it was kiln dried. Um, and only from the perspective of as an industry, um, industry wide effect, if we mm -hmm. keep putting pieces of wood that aren't kiln dried into a house and it warps cups or twists, then <laughs> the consumer that doesn't know assumes that that's just a byproduct of all wood. Yep. And so then they go away from wood because they don't want to deal with a thing that's going to wind up warping or splitting where really that's a byproduct of poorly dried or not dried wood, where there is a way to be able to offer a stable product that the whole market then can recognize that you can have this natural looking thing and it doesn't turn into a defect and then it keeps the market rolling. But I mean, so many, so many times we have competitors that they just stick their wood in their office with the air conditioning running and fans blowing <laughs> on it. And then when I'm saying that we have a kiln and we even offer the kiln as a service, they say, well, I don't understand. Like I stick it in my office. I'm like, right, right. Um, but it's not going to get it down to 6% in a secure way. It's not going to kill any bugs. It's not, I mean, the energy usage on your AC and the space it takes up is greater than if you were to just pay for the kiln service. And and then you get to offer a byproduct that is going to be stable, uh, bug-free, I mean, all those things. And even from a bug perspective, I was unaware, as having been somebody that was a woodworker for so long, how prevalent bugs are in wood until you stick it in Crazy. the kiln and every load, there's dead <laughs> bugs in the bottom. And yeah. you're like, wow, like I would have assumed because this stuff was stored in the dry, stickered, you know, there was, I, I would have assumed there was no bugs in it. But I feel like that one winds up being another aspect of that, that even if you do wind up getting it air dried to, you know, 16% or 13% is the relative humidity here in Florida. So even if you get it to 13, it's about six to 7% in most of the houses here, it's going to have minimal movement. So even if you can accommodate to where it's not going to warp, cup or twist, there's still almost yeah. definitely bugs in that. Yeah. So like you, you still have the secondary problem of little powder coming out, bugs coming out. Um, I mean, any of those things, which then again, from a consumer perspective, they just assume that's the way wood is. And like our business gets affected and we've even had customers say, well, these people sell it for cheaper. And I'm like, right, those people I talked to about kiln drying, and yeah. they didn't take our service and there are no other ones in the area. So yeah. you could buy it cheaper. It's not killing right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the option, you know, but and you're it's right. more expensive, but it's stable. So and like you said, to, to elevate this huge opportunity as a whole, we need to elevate our game and the product that we're offering customers because yeah. people, they get that bad experience with it, with the guy selling wood that, that he harvested that a bug crawls out of or they make a beautiful piece of furniture and it twists and their whole notion on that wood is bad so yeah you're right we got to have consistent quality products and i really think that we can make a huge impact in, in the way that consumers buy lumber but it's oh, yeah. got to be consistent and there's still education is is getting better now uh yeah. guys like you other customers um, I dry, we're all yeah. Nile, everybody's working together to try to make yeah. sure that everything is is getting dried and 
yeah the ability to create this this cool market so yeah um, yeah really uh well you guys keep doing what you're doing and well thanks um i'm definitely a hundred percent gonna come visit you guys and check out some of those cool exotic species you have and yeah um yeah really yeah so hey could i uh tell you real quick we're running a um a little special just with that overall idea where we're basically offering, we're calling it the Florida special because it's kind of a snapshot of some of the species we have, but they're just small boards that we're selling. Like it's five different species and you can either buy like 10 boards or five boards. We have pricing uh, for those. And, you know, you can check those out on the website or check it out on our, our uh, Instagram or Facebook pages, but, but it's an opportunity to basically get like Melaleuca, monkey pod, Perota, and they have these cool. sort of side-by-sides that you get to experience for the first time. Rosewood, we have Cuban mahogany that we'll have in there. Um, and, and it's kind of a cool experience because these are woods that not just, I know you haven't messed with it, you know, as in terms of like <laughs> consumers, but like people in our area haven't messed with them because nobody's been willing to sit down and try to cut them. And, and we we're in a really residential area. So the idea of a sawmill existing in this area is kind of crazy anyways, but um, for us to then go through the process of sawing it, kiln drying it, and then offering it um, for sale. Um, so anyways, we're going to have it. It's going to be called the Florida awesome. Special. If you want to be able to experience some of these Florida woods, um, you know, check us out and we'll be able to get it to you pretty cheap. Get an exotic wood bundle. Um, yeah. We're going to, uh, list this all at whiskeyandwood.com make sure to go to oddwoodlumber.com grab a hat how did you guys get that logo by the way i, I love the logo man uh so i felt stupid i'll say that when we originally i i just had i had the idea for um a lumber company i kept saying that to people and people kept saying you mean like you're gonna have two by fours and i was like no no it's all the other odd kind of pieces of wood that, you know, like Home Depot doesn't sell. It's all the other stuff, you know? And I just kept saying that enough times that I thought, you know what, Oddwood Lumber is probably what we should name it. And then for some reason, a dodo bird popped into my mind um, as like a dumb, odd bird, you know? (laughs) And I thought like they're shared letters, O-D-D and odd, D-O-D-O and dodo. And so I kind of went that direction and I had a friend of mine who does um, graphic design and he had also originally set up our website and I told him this whole thing. He laughed when I said Dodo Bird. He's like, I love it. You know, we're going to do it. And so his wife, though, unbeknownst to me, whispered over his shoulder and said, hey, why is it Dodo and not an owl? Because Oddwood Lumber is O-W-L. It should be an owl. Well, he didn't tell me that. And then it was like, a year later, the website was done. I was only so-so on the logo. There's things I did like and didn't like about it. And, and it had given me enough time to really clarify my thoughts on it. But I had asked him for a discount code that I was sending to somebody. And the discount code on the website, he sends it to me, OWL15, 15% off, you know, was the, the code. And so he sends that to me. And I kind of wait, like, because he he and I joke around all the time. And I'm like, like, you designed it. You know, it's not an owl. It's a dodo bird. So, like, why why would you send me OWL15? And so he doesn't text me back a different code. He doesn't call me. And so I finally call him. I'm like, bro, for real, I need this code. Like, And he's like, I sent it to you. I was like, yeah, you sent me owl15. And he's like, yeah, oddwood lumber. I was like, okay. That's, I don't know why I didn't even know that. So. From there, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was so frustrating in my mind that 
I went back to him. I called him up and he goes, are you calling me because you want to change the logo to an owl? I was like, yeah, like I don't yeah. even know what other option there is. <laughs> so his logo for his company, um, it's called InsomniaNet, um, but he, he has these eyes that look like you haven't slept basically. And that's the eyes that I wanted for the owl. And then I wanted the owl kind of looking at the word Oddwood Lumber. So this way it would almost allude to the OWL existing if you were really, you know, checking it out. I wanted something with more clarity because ODD in uppercase, lowercase was hard to pick out in the last font that we had used. So I was wanting some differences in it just so this way it'd be easier to read. And from there, I mean, he sent me a couple of things. I sent him back a couple of changes I wanted to it. And what came out, I, I'm extremely happy with. Um, so that's where our logo came from. And, and we have, uh, we found on our opening day that we sold um, maybe $300 in wood and we sold $1,500 <laughs> in merch. So we were like, hey, all right, yeah, that's, that's the way to do a, a company, I guess, you know? <laughs> it's a winner. I love the logo.
go.